Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we will be bringing out some of our favorite conversations from the fall of 2022. We begin with a conversation I had with filmmaker David Nalieri about his new film, Mother Teresa, No Greater Love, produced by the Knights of Columbus. And then we meet singer-songwriter Joe Lundin and learn all about Ascension music. In our second half hour, Harry and Jennifer McAvoy share their experience and struggles dealing with Harry's very rare form of memory loss. And at the end of the program, we meet the Hillbilly Thomists. Yep, they're a group of Dominican priests who play bluegrass music. Remember that you can listen to all our programs at slmedia.org slash podcast. You can reach me by email, pedro at slmedia.org, and also through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro. We begin now with Mother Teresa, No Greater Love. It seems incredible that it's already been 25 years since the death of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Many of us remember her when she was alive, how she inspired the whole world, how she was considered a living saint. Mother Teresa was best known for her work with the poorest of the poor in India. She founded the Missionaries of Charity, who continue the work that she started now with over 5,000 members in 139 countries. For the non-Catholic world, Mother Teresa was considered one of the 20th century's greatest humanitarians, receiving the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979. She was canonized as Saint Teresa of Calcutta in 2016. The Knights of Columbus have now produced a film that celebrates her legacy. Mother Teresa, No Greater Love, was filmed on five continents and reveals not just who Mother Teresa was, but how her singular vision to serve Christ in the poor continues to be realized through the Missionaries of Charity today. And to tell us more, we are now joined by the director and producer of the film, David Nalieri. David, welcome to the Salt and Light. Welcome back, Thank I should you. say. Thank it's you. Thank you, Pedro. Great to be with you. Yes. I really appreciate so, this opportunity. David, there, there are lots of films about Mother Teresa, lots of documentaries. Why do we need another one, and why? what's different about this one? Yeah, no, it's a fair question. Um, the missionaries of charity following Mother Teresa's death, they had it on their mind to, to make a kind of a definitive film on Mother Teresa's life that would look at the full uh, expanse of, of, of both her, her life, um, her experiences, uh, the work of the missionaries of charity. Um, and don't forget, too, there's a lot of things that came out about Mother Teresa after she died. There was elements right. of her life, specifically um, some of the visions she experienced, the ongoing visions following the initial a call from Jesus to go into the darkest holes of the world, serve mm -hmm. the poorest, the poor. There's a lot came out about ongoing visions. And then also this suffering that she encountered, this dark yeah. night of the soul that lasted 50 years. So that was not fully explored too. So there was a need for um, kind of a definitive film to tell the story of, of, of not just Mother Teresa, but also the missionary that the order, a uh, missionary charity order that she founded that is now present in more than 140 countries that is doing such incredible work, how her yeah. legacy lives on. So they explored different ways to do that. They were thinking of a Hollywood film. They never could find a script. They never could find the actress they wanted to portray Mother Teresa that really they felt was right. Mm -hmm. And so a couple of years ago, they started turning to the idea of a documentary film. And I'm very fortunate that they turned to the Knights of Columbus and asked Supreme Knight Patrick Kelly, would the Knights of Columbus be interested in being the ones that tell the story? There's a mm -hmm. long relationship with trust that was, has been established going back 30, 40 years with the missionaries of charity. 
Um, and so just about a year ago, uh, we, we got started on this film, very much a project um, done in partnership with the Missionaries of Charity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what this film does, I think, Pedro, is it tells, it tells you who Mother Teresa was. You hear directly from her. We canvassed the world and the archives from so many different countries to find these little hidden gems of interviews and speeches that she gave. Okay. Um, but then I think a lot of the power from the film comes from all the different apostolates of Missionaries of Charity. We traveled to five um, on all, all five continents, 10 different mm-hmm. countries, and you capture viscerally the incredible work they're doing, serving the poorest of the poor. And it gives you a glimpse into who Mother Teresa was and how her legacy lives on. And I think that those elements are what make this a really remarkable film. It sounds like it. I mean, it, 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 it is the definitive film on Mother Teresa because it's the film that's, can we say that it's produced by the Missionaries of Charities? I mean, you would have had access that nobody else has ever had on doing anything with mother Teresa because you were working in partnership with the missionaries of charity correct yeah so i mean the film was produced by Lenny Tacomas, but it was done in partnership and collaboration yeah. with, with the missionaries of charity and yeah, yeah. One, one thing i say to people Pedro, i say this film you'll never see again and i don't say that in a pride prideful and arrogant way but simply because this is really remarkable what the missionaries of charity did because they are not publicity seekers no these are the most humble people and women you could find yes. in the world they they don't invite photographers and bit and, and cameramen and storytellers into these locations these apostolates where they're serving the poorest of the poor they mm-hmm. just don't do that so for that and, and it's funny because throughout this process a lot of the missionaries of charity sisters we work with and who we interviewed they would say to us for for us this is the greatest suffering uh, and that is sitting down for a t- really? the camera put in your face um so to get them to open up open up their homes open up their hearts open up their archives Interesting. And, uh, really allow us to delve in was just an incredible opportunity and, and makes this film really unique in that regard. Yeah. You mentioned that you you traveled to five continents. You were in, you know, visiting a lot of their apostolates. Um, I'm sure that there's tons of things about Mother Teresa that you learned that you didn't know before. Is, is there any one particular story or stories that you can share about what you learned or what you experienced working or being with the missionaries of charity? Um, well, you know, I, I, one thing I learned going to this project, I wanted to delve into the, obviously the, the Mother Teresa becomes very famous, 1969, Malcolm Muggeridge makes a famous documentary and in the book, something beautiful for God. Mm-hmm. And that's how Mother Teresa first becomes known. And I had read that Malcolm Muggeridge, oftentimes when he was filming that interview with Mother Teresa and watching her work with the poorest of the poor and the dying of Calcutta, he oftentimes had to leave the room because he was, he was overcome with emotion, uh, witnessing the work that she and the sisters were doing. And I must say, um, in my travels, I had the same experience where sometimes I just had to kind of walk away and, and hide the tears a little bit because the work that they do, the love that they show, it's just, it's it's the gospel put into action and it, and, and it really, really touches you. Um, we had, there's some scenes in the film too that I found very striking. They work for very, very severely disabled children in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And uh, so many of these babies with hydrocephalus, so these babies with yeah. large, enormous swollen heads, oftentimes these babies would be aborted and just their loving, caring, tender uh, love for these children. It's just awe-inspiring. And that's what makes this film also, I mean, this film does a lot. There's a lot of interwoven themes and messages in this film, but it's a very profoundly pro-life film. So that was one thing that really struck me. And everything I would say, I knew the basics of Mother Teresa's life, but I had never read a complete biography. I was no, by no means an expert. So I, mm-hmm. this was also a huge learning opportunity for me. But I was very struck by the family dimension. Mother Teresa was a real family person. She loved okay. her family so intensely. And she left home at the age of 18. And when she departed, 
her mother said to her, put your hand in the hand of Jesus and never look back. And she never did. And she never saw her mother and she never saw her sister again. Um, after World War II, Albania fell under communist rule. She could not visit them or she would not be able to leave the country. She would be, and so she couldn't continue her ministry. So wow. she had to really for decades, uh, with, on top of all the other sufferings that God gave to her, um, she also had to deal with that loss of the family. And that was something that really struck me, that whole family dynamic. And it just, it, to me, it just strengthened my understanding of this woman who was willing to undergo every single suffering offered up to Jesus on behalf of the poorest of the poor. So, but there's a lot of other things to take away. And I think each person who comes and watches this film uh, will take away something else because we're, you're dealing with such an extraordinary heroic character in Mother Teresa. Yeah, sounds like sounds like a formidable film that I, I, I wish everybody's getting as excited as I am as they're listening to you, to you tell us about it. So it's gonna be screening in theaters in North America and other places uh, next week, David, where can people watch it? What, what can we tell people? Yeah. So the film came out uh, October 3rd and 4th had two day release, uh, in thousand theaters across the United States and, and did so well that we were thrilled to hear that fathom events is bringing it back. So okay. it's going to have an encore release November the 2nd, where I think we're about seven, 800 theaters across the country. Tickets available are available at mother movie.com. That's no ancient Teresa. Uh, you can just click on tickets. Um, you can enter in your zip code to find a theater near you and tickets are available either group or individual. So that's on November 2nd. Um, there's also in the United States on November the 7th, a Spanish dubbed version. Okay. That's going to be available in theaters across the country for Spanish speakers and Hispanics. Um, and then we also have a two day theatrical release across Canada. We're going to be in 26 theaters on November 2nd and 3rd tickets available. Same website, mothertreesamovie.com. And you can click on tickets. You can be guided to the Canadian release. Um, we're also going to be in 48 theaters in the United Kingdom, in England, Scotland, and Ireland as oh, well. Wonderful. Um, that's going to be same November 2nd and 3rd. Um, we're also working on a theatrical release in Brazil, November 20th and 21st. We have a distributor in Brazil. So the film's really kind of taken oh, off. Oh, that's great. It's yeah. really strong. Yeah. So we that's encourage wonderful. people who um, haven't had a chance to see it in the first run to, to come out to theaters and and, and a chance to see this film and and so people know i mean what david said is so true like if the more people that go see it in the theaters the more it's likely to go back to the theaters or stay in the theaters so go to mothertheresamovie.com find out where it's playing near you and i'm sure you can find a theater get a group and go see this film because uh i mean i haven't seen it but i've heard about it and i know it's it's going to change your life so david thank you so much for well thank you so much for the for the work that you do for making this particular film and uh, for telling us about it today. Thanks, man. Thanks for the chance, Pedro. Great to be with you as always. David Nalieri is the director and producer of Mother Teresa, No Greater Love. You can find out more where it's playing and how you can go watch the movie at motherteresamovie.com. And as David said, there's no H in Teresa, motherteresamovie.com. If you missed any part of this conversation or to listen to the rest of the show, go to our website, eslmedia.org slash podcast. Here now is Ascension Music with First Again.
That was Ascension Music with their single, First Again. Joe Lundeen is a singer-songwriter and worship leader from Massachusetts. Joe started like many of us did in his youth group, and then was a missionary with the National Evangelization Team, Net Ministries. He worked for Net as their local outreach specialist and helped train Net missionaries. 
He has led music for countless retreats, liturgies, weddings, and healing services, and he hopes to be able to pursue music full-time soon. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Joe Lundin. Joe, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. It's good to meet you. Good to meet you, too. I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I neglected to mention in the introduction this whole this whole thing about Ascension music, so I think we need to start there because all the songs we've heard are songs that, and you made it very clear that we should credit them as Ascension music. So what is Ascension music? Oh, yeah. So Ascension music is really a really exciting collaborative that um, a bunch of friends got together um, in the Providence, Massachusetts region. Um, they're just worship leaders, people who love Jesus that have uh, really just just heart for worship. Like they want to worship as much as they can. They want to, that, that's what their life is going to be like is to just to worship the Lord. And so um, just coming out of this community in Providence, they, they decided, you know what, we got to come together and we have to bring um, beautiful music, great environments, all rooted in Jesus. Um, and especially with this time of, you know, the Eucharistic, um, just the Eucharistic revival, devotion, yeah. the revival. Yeah. And the USCCB is talking about that. We really want to, I think it's perfect timing for us to come and and really just provide um, environments, events that really lead people to Jesus through music. Um, so, and, so sorry, sorry to interrupt. So so why why do you call it a collective and like why not just like start a band? <laughs> like what's the point. difference? So uh, I think there's some practical aspects to a collaborative, but there's also just the idea that um, there are tons of people in this in the, in our area. Okay. Tons. So we'll start with there's like eight worship leaders in our collective and twenty to twenty two musicians that are pianists. Okay, I Today, see. We got I strings. See. Just all these people that so are so they're all together. part of different groups already. Right. Um, they, they do all different types of things um, uh, within in that region. Um, and coming together is just a, one thing about it is just the family. And, you know, we are talking about uh, yeah. just a ch as a church playing music together is one of the best things is to play music together. But also, you know, being with people who love to lead worship, we found that one thing that we can do is be we can be humble in that. Like we're not just one person. You know, we're a part of a community. Um, and one of the things that, especially me, as someone who's led worship for a long time, one of the great things about me coming here and like not doing the single thing, like going out and doing, you know, retreats here and there, but being part of something bigger than myself is also a big reason why uh, we do yeah. this collaborative. No, that sounds great. Now, let me let me back up because I mentioned a little bit about your experience with NET and, and being a worship leader and training worship leaders. But but let's back up and, and tell me a little bit about you and growing up and music. What instruments do you play? When do you start writing music? Were you always Catholic? I guess all the questions uh, um, yeah. in a quick, uh, quick overview. Did you grow up Catholic? I did. Yeah. So um, I was a cradle Catholic. My mom said, you're a Catholic boy, you're going to mass, even though I <laughs> kicked and screamed, you know, kicked and screamed. She thank said that. Mom. Yeah. So, yeah. No, seriously. No, seriously. Thank mom. Yeah. So I grew up um, in a Catholic family. I'm the youngest of four. Okay. Um, and God bless uh, what the Lord did in my life and in my community. Uh, I was raised uh, at a life team parish. So again, um, so many great programs, so many great uh, content out there, but uh, the Lord definitely used uh, Life Team to bring me closer to him. And so I was grew up, again, youth group kid. I lectured, you know. Great. Um, Were you? Eucharistic minister. I did it all. I mean, I was a kid. I, I wanted to do I wanted to serve the church, you know, uh, growing up uh, in like uh, ninth grade. I had my kind of conversion, if you would okay, say that, yeah. you know, like Catholic conversion, you know, like even though I was, you know, always raised. And, and um, was, it, was it a musical home? Did you play music? Or when did you start uh, no. the music? This is where the Lord came in for sure. The Lord, this is definitely a gift. It was definitely a gift. It came out of nowhere. The Lord's like, Hey, I want you to do this. Um, actually when I was a senior in high school, 
my friend had uh, played the guitar at this retreat. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I kind of want to do that. Uh, my mom, uh, back in the 70s, uh, was very much into the guitar. Uh, she'd probably get mad at me, but she's a, yeah. was kind of a hippie. But yeah. she always had a guitar in the house. And yeah. so, you know, uh, I was like, I kind of want to do that. And so my mom um, took a piece of paper, showed me some chords, but I went on YouTube and I learned. I learned on YouTube and the finger picking came. All this stuff just came. And I remember thinking to myself, this is a, this is a gift. And I didn't know I could sing before I was a senior in high school, you okay. know, so it was just like all this stuff. Um, but I just picked it up and uh, right away there was an anointing and I felt it. And I felt like the Lord was calling me to do something. And every time that I was kind of thinking, you know what, I don't think this is for me. I'm not, the Lord would completely confirm it every time I would play randomly and someone would be like, wow, you really brought me closer to Christ. And in that moment, I knew the Lord wanted me to do that for the rest of my life, regardless of where and when and how, how much I was going to do it. You wanted me to lead worship. Yeah, so, what a what a great feeling. Yeah, yeah I right. know what that's like. So, so with the collective, I mean, I, I'm understanding that you're a guitar player, you're a singer. Do you play different roles? Like, who writes most of the music? Are you mostly mostly a songwriter? Like, how do you where do you fall in when you guys are working together on a, on a song? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I play guitar. Uh, I pick up the piano through Ned. I actually, pick up the piano. I just kind of like again self taught. I kind yeah. of put my hand around yeah. um but yeah I, I do that and sing i do i do uh write songs um i i, do, I love writing psalms i love taking uh, music to psalms so I do, I do that a lot like um i uh, help um you know we you've mentioned novum in the past on the show i think you mentioned before yes yes of, of um, course. so i kind of help with um uh writing psalms for their, with the liturgy resources, resources yeah right right and so so that that's kind of a main thing um my most of the songs that are written uh there's a probably three or four or five of us that really are writing the songs okay um so I would say that, and uh, we do come together. We do come together to write. We uh, mostly, most thing we do is we want to make sure we're praying uh, when we're writing these songs. You know, one of the big things that we do is before we write songs is we say, you know what, Lord, if something comes out of it, great. If it's just for our circle, then God bless it. God yeah, bless it. So, yeah, there's for there's sure. No, yeah, no, yeah, fruits, fruits. It's always bearing fruit. No, it's right. great that, that you guys are supporting each other that way. Um, is there a hope? I know that the collective is fairly young. It, is there a hope that you guys would be recording like Novum, like actually recording projects together or doing events together? Or just is it mostly a networking, supporting artists, collaborative kind of thing? Yeah, no, there, there's an aspect of that collaborative stuff. But no, we're, we're, we, we've, we've recorded, we have, we have our own little um, setup and we've, we have stuff that will be, um, will be released soon. Um, so we're really excited for it. I think we're aiming for something in the summer, but we have, well, we have, we have songs written. We have beautiful music written. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not just saying that because, you know, what's, what's the great thing about this collective is I can say that because, you know, it's not me, you know, yes, it's, we have true. great, we have beautiful music and I can that's say true. that we have really some good substance and really stuff that we can, you can pray with. Like one of the songs, Jesus, I, I trust in you is based in the divine mercy, like really something tangible, you know, uh, Magnificat. We have a song that um, one of our, one of our worship leaders wrote just, just like really connecting and uh, connecting to Mary's yes, you know, just really good yeah. substance in this music, and we're really excited to 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 release it. So yes, we have we have music that will be released. Uh, we also do have events. We had an event uh, in August called Ascend, and that okay. was in a uh, the auditorium in uh, an auditorium in, in, in Providence. There was about three hundred people that came, and it was a beautiful night um, of worship um, and a small just a small talk. But again, Jesus is our main our main goal is to get you know really have all this beauty, all this environment to really point to to Jesus. Um, and so, yeah, but definitely we do have that. Okay. We have it all. That's great. And just to clarify, cause I did say that you're in Massachusetts, but Providence, you're talking about Providence, Rhode, Rhode Island. 
Pro, yes, Providence, okay. Rhode Island is where Good. Ascension is based. Yep. I'm, I'm showing my Canadianism here, yeah. knowing my, my <laughs> U, American geography. Oh, man. So, um, so I'm glad that we're having this conversation, Joe, and that we're, I, I love that what you're doing, and I love the fact that there's so much more to come. Um, as, thank you for introducing us to Ascension Music. I, I, I look forward to hearing more about you guys, and uh, and hopefully we can pray more, pray play more of the music here on the program as well. Uh, thank you, thank you for what you're doing, and it's good, great to meet you, Joe. You too. Thank you. I really I really enjoyed being on here, and um, I'm praying for your ministry for sure. Thank you. You can learn more about Joe Lundin at his website, Joe Lundin Music, and it's Lundin, L-U-N-D-I-N, JoeLundinMusic.com. If you missed any part of our conversation or you want to listen to it again, just head over to our website, eslmedia.org slash podcast. And here now is the song that Joe was talking about, Trusting You, um, by Ascension Music, featuring the beautiful vocals of Daisy Estrada. I trust in you Jesus I trust in you Listening to Daisy Estrada with the Ascension Music song Trust in You. This is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Be sure to visit our website at slmedia.org/slash podcast. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. 
Harry McAvoy can't remember anything from that day, but according to his notes, he was at work when he felt a pop in his head and felt disoriented and didn't know what day it was. That's when his story of memory loss began. Since that day some five years ago, Harry and his wife Jennifer have lived through the struggles that come with memory loss, diminished abilities, the unraveling of a career, loss of income, and, in their case, the lack of diagnosis and cure. Harry and Jennifer have written a book telling their story, Faith, Love, and Loss, Sustaining Hope Amid Memory Loss and the Storms of Life. And to tell us about their story, I am now joined by Harry and Jennifer McAvoy. Harry and Jennifer, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. It's good to see you. Good to see you. So, Harry, I think that when people hear that you're struggling with memory loss, they're thinking Alzheimer's, they'll, uh, you know, maybe other, some of our listeners have struggled with memory loss, but what exactly do you know? Has anybody told you what exactly is what's happening inside your, inside your head? No, you know, the, the expression I heard from a doctor that remains true five and a half years later is uh, no, no diagnosis, no prognosis. Hmm. Uh, it's some sort of memory issue. Um, it has not been diagnosed. It, could it become Alzheimer's or dementia? Possibly, but nobody knows. Wow. So, so I guess that the struggle is not so much the not having or struggling with your memory, but the not knowing. No, Pedro, it's both, you know, it, <laughs> uh, because uh, for sure the not knowing is, is very difficult, but it's like, it's like living your day to day with missing pieces and, and, um, so just when you are going through life, not remembering things, uh, it, it, it greatly complicates life and complication, of course, adds stress and frustration and anger, uh, which only makes it worse for your memory. Yeah, of course. Jennifer, you, I know that this, we can say that this happened to Harry, but it's fair to say that it happened to you too. Um, how... I mean, uh, and I think that we can imagine what it's, or we can try to imagine what it's like to not remember things, but can you give us some examples of how this maybe affected you as, as Harry's bride? Okay. Um, well, from the very beginning, it was obviously a very frightening time in the very beginning when it first happened, when we couldn't, um, we really didn't have uh, any answers. So it was a very scary time for everybody. Um, I think it's just... Um, just the day-to-day -day living with somebody who you love, who uh, is having a hard time remembering what happened the day before. So it, 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 it can be stressful. Um, you have to be uh, remain, try to remain as positive uh, as you can through everything and as supportive as, supportive as you can. But um, I think it's just, uh, there's just challenges involved and there's also um, struggles, but, um, also a lot of good encour uh, encouragement though too, because Harry is, he's able to um, plug through this whole thing and just be very positive about living with missing pieces as he describes it. But you know, in, in, in fairness to Jennifer, um, there's a lot of frustration and a lot of impatience on my part and frankly, a lot of impatience on Jennifer's part. Yes. And which, which um, you know, it's very hard on a relationship. People, uh, you know, we've been married for 38 years and, and, you know, I would say we've had a really, uh, uh, we've had the ups and downs everybody else has, but we've had a good marriage, but this is, this has certainly tested us in ways that we could never have imagined. The title, the title of the book, there are three words and the first, 
first word is faith. I, I wanted to ask Jennifer first, uh, again, Jen, how hard was it to, to stay rooted in faith, not, not knowing? It, how hard is it to have hope and, and kind of root yourself in faith when you don't know what's happening? And I don't know if you even felt that God was kind of not around. Well, I actually, I have to say, I, I never doubted that God wasn't around because I, mm. I, I wholeheartedly believe that when you have these things that happen in your life, you have these um, situations um, that, you know, God's always there. And I think um, our faith, our shared faith that we have, just really, um, we just, I think we deepened it. Um, mm -hmm. our shared faith, we would pray together. Um, we would receive the sacraments. We'd go to mass together. I think we actually bolstered our faith during these last five years um, because we needed to hang on to, besides hanging on to one another, we obviously had to hang on to, to our faith and, and trust in God through this whole thing. Right. So um, I, I don't really feel that I had, you know, I, I guess there were moments where you kind of uh, wonder, you know, why, why don't we have the answers to these things? But overall, I think God uh, saw us through everything. It's, it, it continues to see us through these, uh, these difficult times. Right. I was reading the book, Harry, and of course, I mean, I know you and I know the story. You you both have told me the story uh, in person, um, but I'm reading the book and I'm thinking, this is not really just for people who are struggling with this particular, you know, uh, problem, memory loss. It's for anyone that's going through uh, job loss or, or any kind of loss or grief or any other struggles. Um, is that what you were hoping with the book? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like having written the book, you know, we we're already hearing from so many different people. Um, well, the book has been very well received, which is we're we're so grateful for. And people come and tell us their stories of all different types of suffering, and it's heartbreaking. And and uh, um, you know, for me, and I've said this so often now. You know, in Matthew chapter seven, there there's. Uh, build your house on the strong foundation because the storms are coming. And, uh, you know, Jennifer I had encountered some storms with uh, a, one of our children who went through uh, terrible troubles in, in terms of her heart when she was younger. And, and I think, you know, that gave us a heads up way early in our marriage, build that strong foundation. And I think the secret is, Pedro, don't ever stop building the foundation yeah. because the, storm, the storms are going to keep coming. And, mm -hmm. and it, this has been a wicked storm. And, at this point, there's no end in sight. So you just keep building. Do you, I mean, now you've, I guess that you've kind of already answered the question because I was going to ask you what your hope for the book is, but maybe a different way to ask that question, and you can both answer. So for that person that's listening right now, and it doesn't really matter what suffering they're going through right now, what struggle they're going through, maybe it's just a struggle with in their marriage or job loss or a, a, a disease, illness, chronic illness. What would be the, the one piece of advice, Jennifer, let's start with you, that you would give them um, to help them pull through? I mean, you've already given us some advice, but maybe, maybe one last piece of advice. Boy, um, I, I just, I feel like for me to give advice to somebody, you know, because everybody has their own circumstances and their own stories. But I would say um, communicate, communicate with our Lord, really just in prayer and communicate with your loved ones and, and rely on each other to help you through these times. Because I think Carrie and I did a pretty good job of coming together, communicating, talking about what was happening with him. 
um, and so on. So I just really just prayerfully communicate to God and 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 share share your concerns and worries and open your heart up to your loved ones and, and support one another. And yeah. not everybody has the same support that we have, but That's there's got to be somebody out there that you could they could find some support from, whether it be a, a good friend. Uh, but um, I think the support of uh, loved ones and um, and our Heavenly Father, of course, is utmost importance. Right. So get connected. And sometimes even though we have the support when you're going through a struggle, it's not easy to open up and 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 be vulnerable about it. Harry, what would you tell our listeners? I, I heard an expression a long time ago that uh, has served me well. And I don't unfortunately I don't know the source, but it's believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. Don't believe your doubts and doubt your beliefs. Yes. So you know what? Um, I look at I look at God uh, and I guess probably more at Jesus as my best friend and my best friend is the biggest kid on the block and I know it's childlike but that has helped me so much and I call on the Holy Spirit several times a day so I believe my beliefs I say my prayers I, I get to mass and uh, you know I, every now and then I get to I get to confession and put the garbage out and it has been such a blessing in my life. Well, thank you for being i guess vulnerable enough to share this journey with us through the book and uh i mean for me in person that you've you've wanted to share it with me and i know that you as you've said you've touched a lot of people already and i know that you will continue and i do hope that maybe your condition changes because i'd love to see part two of the book <laughs> <laughs> Well, Pedro, we want to thank you for um, coming together with us a number of weeks ago and talking about things and, and really all your encouragement. We really do appreciate that. And, and for you to help, um, help us to promote the book a little bit on the air, which is nice. Um, thank you very much. Okay, we really do appreciate your support there. And just to your listeners, uh, if they enjoy the read, please tell other people. Um, yeah, and a shout out to anyone in Cincinnati, Ohio that's listening. That's Jennifer's, Jennifer's family in Cincinnati. Um, thank you, guys. It's been it's been great. I'm sorry we don't have more time, but thank you, and uh, we'll uh, I'll make sure that everybody knows where to get the book. So thank you so much. Uh, thank bless. you so much. You, God bless. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Harry and Jennifer McAvoy are the authors of Faith, Love, and Loss: Sustaining Hope Amid Memory Loss and the Storms of Life, published by Novalis. And here now are our featured artists of the week, the Hillbilly Thomists, with floodwaters from their album, Holy Ghost Power. Winds are blowing the roof right off the house Those floodwaters are coming, you'll want to get out And the tide can turn on you all at once and the home that you built can return to the dust. God is no healer the way we would like him. He lets life roll on. A father who did not spare his own son. It sure puzzles a son. God is no stranger to hurricanes He lets them blow right down the line
And my brother has got some ideas in his head And his mother thinking he might wind up dead And she worries, still losing sleep over him For an answer to go back to when they began God is no healer the way we would like him He lets life roll on A father who did not spare his own son Sure puzzles a son God is no stranger to hurricanes He lets them blow right down the line That was the Hillbilly Thomists with Floodwaters from their album Holy Ghost Power. This past summer, while in Nashville at the Knights of Columbus Supreme Convention, I came across our featured music group, a group that I had never heard of, the Hillbilly Thomists. They are a band of Dominican friars. They released their first album in 2017, which quickly rose in the Billboard Bluegrass chart. The friars have continued writing songs and released their second album in 2021, Living for the Other Side, and their latest album, Holy Ghost Power, which we've been listening to, was released this past July in 2022. The Friars spent the rest of the summer on their very first tour, the Old Highway Tour, and that's where I got to hear them in Nashville. And so I am happy to welcome at least two of them to the Salt and Light Hour, Father Simon and Father Timothy. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks so much. Good to be here. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having us. So so your voices are a little similar, so we might have to make sure that we know who's speaking. But so Father T- Timothy and, and, and Father Simon, um, just the two of you are joining us today, but there are more than just the two of us. How many Thomists? How many hillbilly Thomists are there? Yeah, so this is Father Simon here. Um, there are, it's kind of a ranging cast of characters. So at our biggest, there's about nine of us and at the kind of smallest will be like three or four but there's about uh when we got together and recorded this past uh this past or a year ago august there were about seven of us together okay okay so it's not always the same the same guys and you're not so father timothy before we started recording you were saying that you're not all in the same location you're all over the u.s yeah, if a good classic rock analogy is the Allman Brothers Band. Membership is fluid, and we all bring our talents. And you know, but we live separate. So we all work as priests, and in the Dominican province of Saint Joseph, which is okay. Eastern U.S. So we we minister everywhere from the East Coast in different cities to Rome. Uh, two of our oh our most central band members live in Rome. So. Okay, and and so the next question, it, well, I guess maybe I'll back up because there may be some listeners that are wondering, what is a Dominican? <laughs> maybe they think you're from the Dominican Republic or something. Exactly. So we're, I mean, we're like we're a religious order like the Franciscans, Jesuit Salesians. So the first thing to be said is we live in community life. Mm-hmm. Um, we do the work of priests throughout the church. Every religious order is helping various dioceses. What's distinguished about us, especially, is that. From St. Dominic's tradition, uh, we, we have sort of this focus on 
maintaining the monastic life some as active priests. So we have chant and contemplation and sort of that side. We're also uh, bookworms from Thomas Aquinas, our great theologian. So that that's part of our name, the hillbilly Thomas. We're playing sort of Appalachian Southern music, but we're Thomists. We stole that from the author, Flannery O'Connor, who described herself. But we, we think that describes us too in terms of our, the Thomism is strong, our charism as Dominicans. Um, but we are also from the United States and learned that music. Right. Okay. I was going to ask you, so I'm glad you, you mentioned that quote from Flannery O'Connor. And the only reason why I know that quote is because it's on your website. <laughs> and, we try and hopefully... to help people. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Hopefully our, our listeners uh, have heard of Flannery O'Connor. But so um, a Thomist, because you guys follow Thomas Aquinas. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And a hillbilly. I'm not sure why Flannery O'Connor uh, uh, referred you know, as a hillbilly, but... Uh, because I think of all the famous writers of her era, she was the only one from Mugridge, Georgia. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, okay, so... Um, not Manhattan, not D.C. No, no, but you guys, and I'll ask Father Simon, I mean, you're all from all over, you're not all from Appalachia, um, and and I think it's kind of, you know, how random is it that you could find seven, nine other Dominicans that actually are into the same kind of music. How did the group come together, Father Simon? Yeah, that's right. We're not all from Appalachia, but actually a lot of us are from that, uh, you know, that sort of region of America. So Father Thomas Joseph, he plays the banjo and sings. He, you know, grew up in Georgia, but then also spent a lot of time in Kentucky during his childhood. Father Austin Lickey plays the mandolin. Father Peter, who, you know, is on mandolin, guitar, bass, keys from Nashville. Okay. I'm from Southern Ohio, Father Timothy's from Pennsylvania, and, okay. um, you know, and so there's a lot of us who, so, you know, a lot of it is like, like, I grew up listening to and playing, um, like, Irish American, Americana folk music, and uh, I think it just was sort of providential that a lot of us who uh, had played and had a lot of experience with this style of music before we became Dominicans, ended up, uh, you know, together at the Dominican House of Studies and, uh, you know, just started playing music for fun there. And and gradually it became, uh, you know, more of a sort of public facing thing where we'd play for right. ordination parties or, you know, we'd play at this or small that or this that event in D.C. And the way we started recording was that we had been doing Father Justin Bolger, who plays guitar and sings and writes a lot of our songs. Okay. He had been a touring artist uh, based out of Nashville before he entered the order. All right. With his sister, he would signed with a record label. And he also was a a music producer. So he worked, you know, he did recording engineering, direct recording projects. And so he had a lot of experience with recording. And when he got to our seminary in D.C., the Dominican House of Studies, he helped orchestrate some recording projects where we recorded sacred music with our scola our chant scola uh-huh. so we made three or four cds as like the dominican student brothers the friars studying there mm-hmm. who they would sing at our house liturgies for mass and for the divine office and we recorded some sacred music as a way to, you know and would sell those cds as a way to fundraise and then we and then at the same time as that was happening we were starting to play the hillbilly thomas music together and we decided, hey, what if the next CD we make, instead of doing sacred music, we do, 
you know, hillbilly music. We do this, uh, you know, Americana, bluegrass stuff. So that's how yeah. that all got started. That's wonderful. Very organic. And, and, and again, just to, one thing is to come from the places where you came from, listening to the music that you grew up listening to. But the fact that you had a mandolin player and a banjo player and, you know, like those instruments are also, it's not everybody that plays the mandolin, right? Deacon Pedro, just, I want to provide a piece of information for this interview that's never been shared on any interview. Ooh, okay, I like it. There's a spe specific Dominican legal norm, which is getting real fine-tuned to the rules of our life, where one's possessions, when you make final vows, you don't necessarily have to give those away to strangers or to random friends. You can decide where those go to. And so that's, that's actually, I think most groups that have done music and have had these things, they didn't have the advantage we did of a, Member Father Justin, who knew this equipment, but also gave this to the order for, for our use in community. And I think that is actually a step in the recording direction, which, which most communities wouldn't have. So mm. a point never been made on air before. Well, there you go. You heard it here first, Father Timothy Danaher. Um, so you... You recorded, I mean, obviously you were writing music. You said Father Justin writes a lot of the music. I presume that there's others of you that are collaborating with the music songwriting. Um, Father that's Thomas what, Joseph is a theologian and writes. So those are the two main ones. And then some of us also yeah. are starting to contribute. Yeah. And what is what is your hope for the music? I mean, two albums in two years, three albums in five years. That's a lot. Um, is there more to come? I think I think it's as organic as it was at the start. I mean, we will keep writing albums um, as they come to us. We still have some material now. We are going to be recording a fourth album this upcoming summer. Okay. So we we do have blocked out. We're busy. We're priests. I people always say, "Oh, you're a member of the Hibbley Thomas." I say, 50, uh two weeks out of the year, I am." Yeah. You know, fifty weeks. We we all go to our ministry you're in a parish. Yeah. And so we do set aside two weeks per summer. Um, and we, we've been doing this the last couple of years for recording this, this last, and we could talk about this last summer, we t chose to tour for those two weeks. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. Tour. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so Father Simon, that was your first tour. And is there a hope that there will be more touring or is that also going to sort of organic, see where the Holy Spirit leads? Yeah. I mean, we hope in the power of Jesus Christ to orchestrate another Hillbilly Thomas tour. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was our first, we had played um, concerts before. So we played at the Appaloosa Music Festival in Front Royal Virginia several years. And we did some shows in DC and in other different places where we've been assigned. But this past summer was the first time we had a tour. So we went from, uh, you know, New York City through Delaware, through DC, to Pittsburgh, Chicago, Cincinnati, Nashville, Cleveland. I don't know if I missed a, missed anywhere, but you know we were like going from city to city over the course of you know, eight to ten days, and uh, yeah, it was great. It was really it was really great way to um, you know most of the people who listen to our music know us through Spotify or you know or Apple Music or something like that, and so it was great to actually go meet a lot of the people who just listen you know yeah. listen to our music. And a lot of the times, similar for maybe for people who are listening to this, who've never heard of Dominicans or even met a Dominican before, you know, a lot of the times, you know, we talk to people after we play our shows and be like, this is their first time ever meeting a Dominican priest. Right. It's a great way to also, you know, share with them what our, what our life is like outside of the being, you know, playing in the Hillbilly Thomas. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you're doing uh, that. That's, that's one great way to, uh, 
spread the good news out there. Um, we're going to leave it there, guys, because uh, we're a little out of time. But um, it's so good to 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 get to know the two of you and to to get to know your music. And I um, I know our listeners are going to be excited about you know going to your website to to learn from more. So Father Timothy Danaher and Father Simon Teller, thank you for joining us today. Hillbilly Thomists. Um, you can learn all about them, the Hillbilly Thomists, at their website, hillbillythomists.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. And as Father Simon mentioned, you can also find them anywhere you stream your music, Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your music. And if you missed any part of this interview, head on over to slmedia.org slash podcast, because all our programs are archived there. Fathers Timothy and Simon, thank you so much. It's been great to meet you. Thank you, Pedro. Thanks so much, Pedro. And here now to take us out are the Hillbilly Thomists with the title track of their latest album, Holy Ghost Power. From the day I found out you were telling me lies, I've been living off of grits, whiskey, and moon pies, trying to find my place, launching prayers into space, and staring into heaven at a bread that's unleavened. A hundred channels of nothing on the TV at ten It's like Diet Coke and Original Sin But don't be sad, it's just a world gone mad You thought it was gold, but it's made out of tin With the conviction in their eyes When my heart was broke I thought life was a joke It was just at that time He removed the yoke He makes a rich man fall He makes a weak man strong No more going wrong Just to get along I felt the force of the truth When they pierced his side I saw the war eagle dive And I could not hide Just when I faced the capital hour That's when I found The Holy Ghost power You got to tear down the wall And read St. Paul Burn like fire After the fall You got to change things up If you heard the word You got to die inside To serve we're listening to the hillbilly thomists with holy ghost power from their album of the same name and that brings us to the end of this special edition of the salt and light hour remember to come see us at our website slmedia.org that's where you can find out all about salt and light media and what we do if you hear anything on this program and you want to comment or just to let us know that you like the show, you can reach out to me. You can find me on all social media platforms. And you can email me, pedro at slmedia.org. I respond to every single email I receive. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Just when I faced the capital.